you will either put your confidence, your authority will either be your own understanding and that of other flawed human beings, or it will be God's perfect wisdom revealed in His Word. That's it. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Consider your own life for a moment. How much authority does the Bible have in your daily activities? Do you listen more to the supposed authority of human opinion than God's unfailing truth? Hello again, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom has part four of a series titled Trending Versus Truth. As we learned last time, the world culture prefers to reject God's authority through silencing what He commands in Scripture. This leads to a systematic failure in response to the big questions of life, like what to do with gender identity, who should be allowed to marry whom, and how to pursue true justice. But can believers who profess faith in Jesus Christ also fail to view the Bible as the final authority for all things? Are you submitted fully to the authority of Scripture in your own life? Keep those things in mind as we join our teacher now on The Word Unleashed. They know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. So, do you understand? I mean, when you consider those foundational spiritual issues, it's no surprise that the people around us are opposed to the Scripture and desperately desire to silence it. Now, because they have rejected God's Word for these reasons, their moral discernment about everything is completely dark and twisted. They don't get anything right. That brings us to a third insight, the biblical correction. What is the truth? We need to know what's wrong in our culture, but here's something that we as believers can celebrate. We can celebrate the truth because of what God has done in our hearts. We need to come back to what does the Bible say? What truths, in light of our our culture's desire to silence the Scripture, what truths do we need to believe and hold fast to? Let me summarize it this way. Scripture calls every one of us to abandon all other authorities and to embrace God's Word alone as our sole authority. That's what Scripture calls every believer to. And this is taught throughout the Scripture, but I want to show you three amazing passages where this principle unfolds in very similar ways. Let's start with Psalm 1. Turn back to Psalm 1. Notice the first thing that the righteous person abandons. Verse 1. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now that word counsel has to do with how we think. It means to give advice in the making of decisions. The righteous do not, as a habit, walk in the advice given to us about how to live by those who disregard God's Word and who set up their own authority. Now, 
let's admit that all of us tend to follow in harmless ways the advice of the people around us. Take, for example, hairstyles. If I were to if I were to have you come up here on the podium and we would cycle through hairstyles, we'd see that there are, some, there are some patterns that aren't like some other time periods. Why? Because you're following the advice of the people around you. I'm, I'm wearing, you know, in terms of clothes, I'm wearing this morning a tie that isn't 12 inches wide, unlike the ones I wore in the 70s. The lapels are a little narrower than they were in the 70s. Why? because I'm following the advice of the people and culture around me. If you want to see this in living color, just go break out your pictures. I don't care how old you are. Just look at the pictures, either digital or if you're old enough to have printed versions. Go back and look at those pictures and look at what you wore in the past. And when you look, you'll say, what was I thinking? Why did I wear that? Why did I have that hairstyle? And you know what the answer will be? Because you were listening to the advice of the people around you. You know, we think we're so individualistic, but truthfully, we're just following the advice of others. And that's okay because the Bible doesn't dictate hairstyles and the Bible doesn't dictate clothing except for the issue of modesty. Other than that, it gives us the freedom to make those choices. So that's fine. The problem, folks, is when we follow the advice of the wicked in Things like philosophies, lifestyles, priorities, and here's where we're really going, the moral issues of our day. The righteous abandon the advice of the wicked. But don't miss the the main point in verse 1. Those three nouns, wicked, sinners, and scoffers, those aren't like just the three worst versions of sinners. No, those three nouns together include every unbeliever without exception, every unregenerate person. All unregenerate people are included in those those words. The point is, the righteous person completely abandons every path of those who live in rebellion against God. In other words, the righteous person abandons every human way. He abandons living like they live, that's standing in the path of sinners. He, he abandons belonging where they belong, that's sitting in the seat of scoffers. And he abandons thinking like they think, that's the advice or counsel of the wicked. The righteous abandon every human way. And then notice the other commitment that righteous people make in verse 2, the righteous embrace only God's way, verse 2. But instead of all of that, the righteous person's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The psalmist here reduces his entire positive description of the righteous person to his or her response to the Bible. Derek Kidner writes, the psalm is content to develop this one theme, implying that whatever really shapes a man's thinking shapes his life. And the righteous person, his thinking is shaped by the Scripture. Notice, he delights in it. The word means to take pleasure in something, to experience emotional joy or delight. The righteous person finds his pleasure, his happiness, his delight in the Bible. It's like Job in Job 23, verse 12. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Here's just a little test for you. Seriously, if you had to choose between having time in the Scripture and having lunch, which would you choose? 
He delights in it, and he meditates on it. The word means to reflect, to think, to have an internal discussion about the Scripture. It's deliberately choosing to think deeply about the Scripture. The righteous love the Bible, and they think about it all the time. Why? So that they can understand it and so that they can do it. They delight in it, and they meditate on the Bible rather than spending all their time reading and listening to the counsel of the wicked. Let me just ask you uh, just an honest question. To whom do you listen more? The advice of all of those people out there who don't know God or to God and His Word? That's the point. Let's turn to a second example. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Two of the most familiar verses in the Bible. I want to just briefly unpack them for you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Solomon here challenges us to make two commitments, and they're very similar to what we saw in Psalm 1. You can just see this, this thread recurring. First of all, he challenges us to accept God's Word as our final authority. Verse 5, he says, trust in the Lord. The Hebrew word translated trust here means to lean with your whole body on something in order to rest on it. It's, it's leaning, putting your full weight on something so that it's supporting you. That's this word. It means here to lean completely on Yahweh for your full support. You rely on Him. Now notice the contrast in the second half of the verse. And do not lean on your own understanding. The Hebrew word for lean here also has the same idea, the idea of supporting oneself on something. So the, the words trust and lean are different Hebrew words, but they're, they're essentially synonymous. They're, they're identical, almost entirely. The contrast between the first half of the verse and the second half of the verse is what we lean or rely on. Solomon says, lean on the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. Put your weight on the Lord, and don't put your weight on your own understanding. The Hebrew word for understanding means your own insight, your own discernment. So we must rest our complete confidence on Yahweh and never lean for support on our own insight, our own ability to discern. Now think about what that implies. If none of us is to lean on our own understanding then we're not to lean on any human understanding, right? If not a single one of us is, then you're not to lean on yours and you're not to lean on mine and vice versa. Don't rely or lean, he's saying, on your own mind. Boy, so many people rely or lean on their own insight, their own mind. Proverbs 28.26 rather says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. If you're your own authority, if you're always relying on your own insight, your own discernment, then you have a fool for a counselor. Don't lean or rely on the collective mindset of the age. Romans 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to the mindset of the age in which we live. We'll look at that again in just a moment. Don't lean or rely on the experts of our times. I love Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 9 talking about the experts of ancient Israel, the wise men. Listen to this. The wise men are put to shame. 
They are dismayed and caught. Now listen to this description of the experts. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what kind of wisdom do they have? You see, if an expert has rejected the fear of the Lord, what kind of wisdom do they have? Solomon says, instead of leaning for support on human reason, including your own, we must lean on God's understanding. To trust in Yahweh is to rely on His discernment, on His understanding. And of course, as many people understand this text, that includes leaning on Him in the providence of the details of your life. You trust what He's doing in your life. But especially here, the implication is rely on His revelation. Trust in the Lord in that sense and not your own understanding. Proverbs twenty-two nineteen says, So that your trust may be in the Lord, I have taught you these words today. Trusting in the Lord and trusting in His words are simply two expressions for the same reality. Verse 5 says, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. It needs to be wholehearted, exclusive. We can't lean on our own understanding in any area. We must trust God's Word on everything. How are you going to decide what's ethically right? How are you going to determine what you should think about the the moral questions of our times? Things like abortion, homosexuality, gender, the nature of marriage, racial issues. Solomon pleads with us to accept God's Word as our final authority in all things. But he also urges us to make a second commitment, and that is to obey God's Word as our practical authority. Obey God's Word as our practical authority. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Literally, the Hebrew says, in all your ways know Him. What does that mean? In all your ways know Him. It means that you are to acknowledge His presence, his right to rule, his right to speak into your life. In every detail of our lives, in all of our predictable patterns of behavior, we are to acknowledge God's right to rule, his lordship, his right to tell you what to think. It's not enough to say that we trust divine revelation over human reason. I suspect if I asked that question, every hand here, most every hand would go up. That's not enough. We must acknowledge His right to rule, His lordship, His right to tell us what to think about everything. Solomon ends with this amazing promise, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. If you'll make God's word your final authority and the practical authority in the details of your life, God's going to cause you to walk on a morally and spiritually straight path. In other words, let me summarize it this way, God will ensure that you live a life that is godly and wise that pleases Him if you will walk that life in accordance with His Word. You see, folks, it comes down to this. You're going to have to decide. You already have decided, and I hope if you made the wrong decision, you'll decide again today What's going to be your final authority? And there are only two choices. There's door number one and door number two. You don't get door number three. Okay? There are only two choices. You will either put your confidence, your authority will either be your own understanding and that of other flawed human beings, or it will be God's perfect wisdom revealed in His Word. That's it. Quickly, one other 
passage, Romans chapter 12, Paul gets to the application of the gospel he's taught. He says, in light of the gospel I've explained to you, let me tell you how you ought to live. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, and he says, you need to offer your body as a sacrifice. Present your body as a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God. And then in verse 2, you need to offer the sacrifice of your mind. Not just your body, verse 1, but your mind. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The sacrifice we owe God in response to His salvation is not only our bodies, but our minds. You say, well, how do I sacrifice my mind to God? Well, first of all, we must reject the thinking of our age. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Paul uses that same word, ion, that, that word for the mindset of the age, the zeitgeist. He says, don't allow yourself to be pushed into the mold of how your age thinks. Your age thinks about everything. It has a, it has a view on everything. And it's out there. And it's screaming at you constantly. And Paul says, if you're going to sacrifice your mind to Jesus Christ in light of the gospel you've enjoyed, then don't let the mindset of your age shape you and your thinking. Don't allow your thinking to be conformed to the spirit of the age, the prevailing thoughts, philosophies, and opinions of your time. And we must embrace the will of God. Verse 2 goes on to say, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Greek word for transformed is the word from which we get our word metamorphosis. God's plan is for you to experience a radical change in your thinking. The present tense here means this transformation doesn't happen in a moment, but, but it's an ongoing process. Be being transformed. It's also passive. means that you don't change yourself. You don't transform yourself, but you need to cooperate with the one who does, the Holy Spirit. This radical, gradual transformation happens because of what occurs in our minds. Verse 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What means does the Spirit use to accomplish this? The Word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them by means of the truth. Your Word is truth. So allow the Spirit to transform you by renewing your mind with the Word of God. That's what He's commanding. Embrace the will of God. What's the result? Verse 2 says, So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The idea of that expression is when the Spirit renews our minds with the Word of God, we discover by experience the value of God's will found in God's Word. We're like David in Psalm 19 going, it's better than all the gold I could accumulate in this life. Folks, that's the biblical correction to how our world approaches the Scripture. There's a fourth and final insight I just want you to consider briefly with me, and that's the practical ramifications. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why, why am I talking to believers about this? I mean, after all, as believers, we're, gonna, we're never going to seek to silence the Scripture. Not if you're a true Christian. The problem is it can happen subtly and unintentionally. How? Because you are listening too much 
and you are putting too much confidence in authorities other than the Scripture. So let me just remind you, here are the ramifications. Number one, remember, unbelievers are not a reliable source of authority for a single moral issue. Unbelievers are not a reliable source of authority for a single moral issue. Their viewpoints, as we saw, cannot be trusted. They have an inherited predisposition against the truth. They have a darkened mind. They are satanically deceived. They suppress the truth themselves in order to accommodate their own sin. Don't you dare go out on the internet or go to your favorite source, whatever it is, and listen to the worldviews of unbelievers. They can't be trusted. They're God's enemies. Their minds are skewed and darkened. Not just slightly dimmed, but pitch black. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have not been born again, which in biblical terms means radically changed by God's Spirit, made a new creation in Christ, this isn't me talking to you now. This is what you've just seen from the Bible. Your moral discernment is just as tragically flawed. God says you're not an independent thinker. Instead, like all of us were by nature, you are blinded by your sin and by Satan. You are in lockstep with the world system that Satan created. You are enslaved to the zeitgeist of your times, the mindset of our age. Your mind is darkened. You are unable to arrive at the truth about anything. You can't even understand God's Word on your own. So what do you do? Your only hope is to turn in repentance to Jesus Christ. Listen to his statement about himself, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I'm the only way to God. He said, I am the truth. Jesus is the only truth and source of truth about everything. And he said, I am the life. He is the only source of eternal life. Your only hope is to turn from your sin acknowledge that sin, seek His forgiveness, and follow Him. And I plead with you to do that today. A second ramification we must remember is that believers must never start with any source of authority other than Scripture. Believers must never start with any source of authority other than Scripture. Not the leading intellectuals of our age, not the trending perspectives online, not even the people around you Certainly not your own thinking and your own conclusions. Listen, if you start anywhere but the Word of God, you'll get it wrong. Can I just plead with you today? When it comes to every moral issue of any kind, anything outside of things like the color socks you wear today, don't start with your own mind. Don't start with a consensus of the online culture. Don't start with some human expert or experts. Set all of those aside intentionally and start with the Scripture. What does that look like? It means when one of these issues comes up, you don't start spinning in your own mind saying, what do I think about that? How should I think about that? What's going to be my position? You don't go online and look at your favorite sources and, and parrot their ideas and thinking. You come to the Lord if you're a Christian, you come to the Lord and you come like the children's catechism and you say, Lord, I am ignorant and in need of a teacher. I'm coming to your word. Help me to understand your thinking. The scripture says in this book, you have the mind of Christ. Lord, give me the mind of Christ about this issue. Don't let me be consumed with my own opinions or the opinions of the age in which I live. Bring me back 
to your truthful perspective about this issue. You see, what I'm calling you to do today, it seems so simple, and yet it is so profoundly foundational to a Christian life and experience. You need today to determine that God's Word will be your final authority on everything, and it will be your practical authority in how you live out the details of your life. That's how the righteous live. Let's pray together. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part four of Trending Versus Truth. Join us again next time for part five. Well, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. Plan to join Tom Pennington this summer, June 24th and 25th at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas, as he introduces The Word Unleashed's first annual Faithful Stewards Conference Series. Faithful Stewards is designed for pastors, elders, teachers, and church leaders. But even if you aren't in one of those categories, you're welcome to attend. This year's theme is Loving Christ by Feeding His Sheep, a reflection on our Lord's challenge to the Apostle Peter as found in John chapter 21. There's no cost to attend, but registration is required. June 24th and 25th. Go to thewordunleashed.org to register. You know, The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.